Hi guys, welcome to episode seven of the third season here, all about real food, why it's important and lots of encouraging tips on how to add more real food to your family's diet. We're taking a slight pause from what we've been doing so far to talk about why real food is important for our pets as well. And just very simple little things we can do in the diet of our dogs and our cats to really extend their lives and give them such a better quality of life. I'm really excited to have Shelly McDonald on as a guest today. She and her husband own a company that I discovered years ago because of the amazing real food functional treats that they have for cats and dogs, specifically for Bixby. And we're going to talk in this episode some about my Labradoodle. If you've met him over on Instagram, you know that I adore him to pieces. He was a rescue dog. He does have some health issues. And when I discovered raw paws and how much their real food treats were seriously functionally helping Bixby, well, I pretty much fell in love with Shelly's company. And I'm just so glad that she's willing to come on and really give us some insight into why real food is important for our pets and very simple, really practical ways that we can improve our pet's diet. Shelly actually, she's going to tell us a little bit about her Bernice Mountain Dog. Um, What she doesn't tell us in this episode is that one Bernice Mountain Dog that she owned previously was really the inspiration behind the entire company of Raw Paws. You see her original Bernice Mountain Dog, when she learned that this is a breed that is afflicted with a really high rate of cancer, more than typical in an average breed of dog, she really, she turned to um, wanting to know more about the diet, how the diet can impact the dog, how the diet can lead to cancer and ways to provide a healthy diet for her Bernice Mountain Dog. So I thought that was really a fascinating connection with what we've been talking about in this season of the fact that what we eat can impact our health severely and studies that have shown the connection of food to cancer. So of course, there would be no difference in how food impacts animals as well as people. So when Shelly saw the impact of real food on her own dog, they, her and her husband, started an e-commerce company that literally delivers real food to pets in all 48 states. And if you would like to check out Raw Paws, you can please use my special code. So everyone there, including Shelly, will know that I sent you. (laughs) And also, more importantly, so you can enjoy 15% off your entire order. Just use code RESTED15. You can also go to solelyrested.com slash coupons for direct link to Raw Paws for that coupon code there and for links to all of the products that Bixby and Calpurnia, our Black Lab puppy, that they absolutely love from Raw Paws and other sources too. So for that full list, go to solelyrested.com slash dog. Again, solelyrested.com slash dog. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested. Because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. Thank you, Shelly, for carving out some time to sit and chat with us. Oh, hi, Michelle. It's my pleasure to be on with you today. Um, I'm enjoying listening to the podcast. I've actually found that it brings back a lot of memories about how I grew up. So there's something very nostalgic about it. So I'm really enjoying it. Shelly, I didn't know this about you. Tell us what you mean. Tell me how you grew up. So I grew up in a small town and um, I, when my parents divorced, my dad remarried and moved to the country. And I, of course, spent time with him and my stepmom and my brother at the farmhouse. 
at which point we all got involved in tending to the farm and to the property, which led me down a path of 4-H and just, you know, all sorts of things about living on a farm, whether it was collecting eggs or showing my calf at the county fair. So oh my gosh, that's so fun. Well, you know what? In future seasons, you'll have to come back and we can talk 4-H and fun stuff like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That yeah, it it literally just has been bringing up so many different memories. So it's been fun to revisit them oh, and to think about it. how they've like shaped me and and yes. kind of um, figured into who I am today. So yes, that's something I think about often. I know exactly what you mean. Well, in the introduction, before I brought you on, I had explained that we don't personally feed our dogs a raw food diet. I've discovered you guys for a whole different reasons that we'll get to that I'm so excited about. But um, why, why would you say a real food diet is something that people are interested in doing? Why is it good for pets? Well, uh, yeah, I do believe that raw and home prepared diets shine in all respects. And I'll, I'll definitely take a few minutes to kind of break that down. But first, I'd like to just share a little bit about my path to feeding a raw diet, because I haven't always fed a raw diet. So I've had I got my first dog about 14 years ago. He's my black lab Bondi. Oh. He came um, into my life. Um, when he came into my life, I went to a big box pet store and bought the most expensive kibble I could afford. And I felt really good about that decision. So clearly dogs, you know, can obviously survive on kibble, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I later started shopping at a small local pet specialty store where I started to see dog foods that I'd never seen before. I saw raw foods in a freezer, and that's when I got a little bit more curious about diets for dogs. The more that I learned about the different options available, the more I just buy and include raw foods into my dog's diets. At that time, I actually um, had two dogs. And so for a while, I was a partial raw feeder, feeding just a little bit of raw at each meal or sometimes feeding maybe one kibble meal and then one raw meal per day. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling you know, really good about that too. It wasn't until my Bernese Mountain dog, Dylan, started having mobility issues that I took the plunge into what I'll call high raw or or full raw. So as I learned how to take better care of myself, I just grew more curious about what options I had for caring for my dogs too. And that's just a mindset that comes naturally for me. I'm, I'm, I have a very preventive mindset (laughs) and I'm kind of a cautious individual, but, um, you know, I just in seeking optimal health and wellness, that's what comes natural for me. And, and trust me, I do not do it perfectly by any means, but Mm -hmm. I have to come to believe in the potential of food to heal, um, or to harm. Um, and at times I, you know, I admit that I have chosen the less healing foods like having a large Costco bag of ruffles in the car and another one at at the office. And then why not just have one at home too? So that I'm covered (laughs) at all three places. So (laughs) yeah, I've been working on that habit. We all have certain days, right? I mean, still, yeah, I, I eat pretty well, but I still have the really bad things once in a while. And I think if I didn't, I would almost go crazy. Like, you know, maybe you're not, maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're better than I am, Shelly, but (laughs) well, I have weaknesses. For sure. For sure. Me too. And if I sometimes having those foods is what gets me excited to return to the more healthy way because the overindulgence kind of mm-hmm. no pun intended leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. So, good point. Yep. Yeah. So, so as I said um, a few minutes ago, I do believe that raw and home prepared diets shine in, in so many ways. And some of the reasons that I feed raw are, um, are that, well, th- there's this concept that generally for, refers to the humanization of pets. And so pet owners want to provide their companion animals with the same kind of clean and simple and healthy products they eat for themselves. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, raw diets are the cleanest and the simplest 
And so here are a few reasons um, why I feed raw. So raw uh, diets typically have fewer ingredients. So commercial raw diets generally have fewer ingredients and then also less additives because you don't have to worry about keeping them shelf stable. Mm -hmm. So this is probably one of the biggest reasons why I started feeding raw. And one of my dogs could eat absolutely anything and be fine. Nothing ever really bothered him, but another had a lot of food sensitivities. Mm. So I gravitated towards choosing a raw diet, which just had meat and bone and organ. And those are really the three main components in the diet. And in my case, I stuck with a single protein source and that made dealing with food sensitivities much more manageable. Okay. I didn't so what have does that to mean? Yeah, so I didn't have to sort through a big long list of ingredients to figure out which of these is the offending ingredient. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's that's really the biggest thing. Um and it's it's at, at um you know at my company too, I'd say that's probably the number one reason people call in is because of health issues or food sensitivities. And they're trying to figure out what is giving my dog itchy ears? What's giving my dog tummy upset? Mm -hmm. So there's just a, a growing number of food sensitivities and other health concerns that pet parents are, are thinking about and trying to figure out how to solve those problems. Mm -hmm. Great point. Yeah. Another reason why I chose raw is because of the transparency, the better quality sourcing and ingredients that go into the raw diets. Mm -hmm. They are more likely to be made with fresh, high quality, and more responsibly sourced meats coming out of the human grade food chain. Mm -hmm. Whereas with uh, kibbles, and it's not all kibbles, but with kibble in general, you can get away with using uh, rendered meats or denatured meats. Basically, that's just referring to meats that wouldn't ordinarily be passed after inspection, like for the human food okay. uh, consumption. Mm -hmm. And so with raw diets, you pretty much have to start with the freshest ingredients available because you just can't cover up poor quality by over-processing and adding vitamins and flavorings to make it palatable and nutritious. Right. Yeah. Okay. So another way that raw diets shine is, is in their, the dog's ability to absorb them. So I refer to raw food as like a species appropriate diet, because it's literally what they would eat if they were left to their own devices in the wild, which of course, we'd never want to think of, you know, Bixby and Bondi being in the wild, but right. um, <laughs> no, no, they, they've got to sleep next to us at night or whatever uh -huh, that looks uh -huh. like in your household. Uh -huh. But um, a, a raw food diet is going to be less processed and therefore very well absorbed and used by the body. So a lot of raw feeding folks say that, that their dog stools are even a lot smaller because there's just much more of the food is absorbed and utilized by the body. Mm, that's so a the, great point. Yeah. So the time and the effort and expense that you spend on preparing a real food diet for your dog, because it is, it is a little bit more cumbersome than than just feeding a dry diet, it's it's worth it since their bodies recognize the food and absorb the nutrients better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's really what this whole podcast is all about. Obviously, simple doesn't mean easy. It's not necessarily the easiest thing to do for your dog, but it's so much worth it in the end. And then you've brought up points I haven't even thought of. In fact, this last idea that you want to be more like the dog would be in the wild has me intrigued because I don't think, I don't know if I even told you, Shelly, that we have a puppy now too. We don't <gasps> have Bixby. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and congratulations. Black lab. So <gasps> you said oh. I was one of my <laughs> oh my gosh. We've never had a lab before and she is just the sweetest. Her name's Calpurnia and she is, has reached the teen years in puppyhood. <laughs> so like, there's so many things that we do on a daily basis, working on training her that I'm always thinking, okay, 
in the wild, a dog would need blank. And that makes all the difference in training the puppy. And I really see that because when we got Bixby, he was already six months old. So I'm learning new things with Calpurnia that we didn't have to do with Bixby, you know, and I really never thought, honestly, maybe I'm silly. I just really didn't think about that whole idea of how it is like they have in the wild more so than obviously any kibble you could give them. So, okay. So if you've, Oh, great. Yeah. If you've convinced somebody listening, okay, there's a great value here, but you know, I just don't have hundreds of dollars to spend on my dog's food. Like I wish I could. Um, is it, is it something we can do maybe save a little money by doing on our own? Like you said, you would give um, Bondi, right? Yeah, Bondi. Yeah, he's named after um, Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia, which is where my husband and I had just gotten home from when we decided to get him. And he was six months old when we got him. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, so like you mentioned that you would sometimes when you started out, give Bondi just one raw meal and also some kibble, like maybe that's one way to do this and save a little money is, can, is it something we can just do on our own and start off saving a little? Absolutely. I mean, the answer is definitely yes. And most people that we talk with are probably on the spectrum of feeding less raw than more raw. So people are realizing the benefit of just getting fresh food into their dog or cat's diet. And so that is definitely something that folks can do. There Mm -hmm. are, there are a few things to think about. Now, if you're feeding a hundred percent raw, you're going to be more concerned about some of these things. If you're feeding some raw and home prepared, in addition to a kibble diet, that's already, you know, complete and balanced for dogs and cats, because it has, you know, vitamins and nutrients added, then you don't have to be as concerned. But one of the the main things is the ratios. So a, a dog or a cat in the wild would eat approximately 80% muscle meat, 10% organ meat, and 10% bone. And that just mimics the ratio of an animal that you'd find in the wild. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not any special math. Right. But these percentages generally provide for 100% of a dog or cat's nutritional needs. And that's what you'd want to focus on if you were focusing on feeding 100% raw. Okay. But there are, so you can't just go out to the butcher and get a liver and that's all you're giving your dog for their meal, because obviously he's getting way too much organ. Then, Yes. And too much organ, um, unfortunately can give a dog diarrhea. So that's the, Mm. that's the one thing that you don't necessarily want to go too heavy on that 80, 10, 10 is just a guideline. Some dogs do better with more bone or less bone or more organs or less organs, but you could absolutely go to the butcher. Um, or if you have, if you are a grower yourself and have access to, to fresh local food, you could absolutely go to the butcher, um, and ask for anything that they might have available or even just food that you might even buy for yourself and incorporate that into your dog's meal. So it doesn't have to be already commercially prepared and balanced if you're if you're just trying to kind of up-level what you're already doing and incorporating more fresh food into the diet. Okay. So obviously if money isn't a factor and everybody loves a little easier route of going, you know, if somebody gets to the point that, okay, they're ready to purchase raw food for their dogs, what kind of options are there? Cause I know that's what raw paws is all about. So do you have options like monthly plan or how does that work? Yeah, so we do, we have with at raw paws pet food, we do have, um, we, we can put together monthly plans. A lot of, there, there does seem to be a lot of subscription type services out there. The, the way that we normally engage with folks is, is they can even start by filling out what's called a custom meal plan on our website. And that will basically result in receiving a phone call. So you can talk with someone about your animals and your care and what, you know, what is your budget? What is your tolerance for serving and handling raw food? Cause there mm-hmm. is, there's that. But, um, 
so there there are a lot of different options though there's frozen raw food there's freeze-dried raw food and a lot of other companies are doing gently cooked um prepackaged diets as well. So, so really it's kind of all over the board. I sort of lump raw feeding in with home prepared because in my mind, it's the same thing. Of course, I have access to all these wonderful, you know, pre-ground, pre-balanced, you know, diets for my dog, but I'm always adding stuff to it Mm -hmm. from home, from what I have in my refrigerator already. So that's probably the easiest way to sort of dip dip your toe in the water is to kind of look in your refrigerator and say, what do I have that it might be meat-based that my dog would love? And by the way, it doesn't just have to be meat-based either, uh, you know, vegetables and fruits and so many different things are good for, for dogs. You wouldn't believe it. A lot of people don't, but Bixby absolutely loves broccoli and Brussels sprouts. He loves them. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 Bondi does too. He loves, in fact, I, I include, you know, uh, probably up to about 25% vegetables in his diet. Hmm. And I like to use frozen vegetables because they're already, you know, blanched. And so they're gently cooked and not all dogs do great with the, you know, the, the, all the cellulose and the fiber in some of the more fibrous vegetables, but I tend to like the frozen ones because they are already slightly cooked and then dogs do better. Bondi does great with everything, but my Bernese mountain dogs, their digestive systems have been different. And if they eat a sliced carrot, it comes out looking like a sliced carrot. So not getting a lot of nutrition from that. You think of these really big, amazing, muscular dogs, and they don't really do well with carrots. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, their digestive systems are just so different. And so, you know, not all dogs are, are created equally, they all have their own, their own things and and digestive systems are um, no exception. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned too the freeze dried option, I just recently discovered some of your freeze dried treats that Calpurnia, our puppy loves, we're trying to train her with getting her teeth brushed. And of course she just has her puppy teeth. It doesn't even matter, you know, but we're working on getting her used to the idea. So every day I get this little teeny handful of these freeze dried. I think I have a couple different flavors that she loves. I can't remember chicken and liver maybe. Um, And they're just these little teeny freeze dried things, but I'll still break them up even more. So she just gets a teeny little bit as my daughter helps me brush her teeth, you know, and then at the end, after she did a really good job for a whole three seconds, she gets this jackpot of her freeze dried treats, you know? (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are so important. The treats are why I found you guys, because I mean, I didn't even know such a thing existed as functional treats for dogs. And it's exactly what I was looking for. I'm doing this Google search years ago because um, a lot of my, I know you and I have talked about this and a lot of my followers know if they follow me over on Instagram, I'll talk about it once in a while, but Bixby, when we adopted him, he was six months old and it was a rescue situation because he was going to be a service dog. And you know, when, when somebody, a dog is raised up to be that, like he had a very strict trainer and he was in a very strict environment. They each had their own cages and she worked with them daily. And at his six month uh, birthday, I guess you'd say the vet does the standard routine, um, you know, vet visit and then he's ready to be placed in a home. Well, at that point, the trainer was told that he had a bad hit, probably mm. from probably from bad breeding, and he could never pull any kind of a cart, pull any kind of weight. So his entire future was, you know, done <laughs> as a service oh, dog. Yeah. So we adopted him, but you know, right away from the beginning, we knew, okay, this dog has a bad hip. So we were always very alert to anything we could do, first of all, to help him not gain weight because any extra pound he puts on is going to hurt his hip more. Um, And then also I started to see when he was, I guess about four or five years old, every once in a while, I could tell he was in pain and I, my heart was breaking for this poor guy, you know, and he would just be running around like a puppy almost still, but in the middle of running, he would stop with the yelp and you could literally see his leg kind of go out of joint. And I was just oh, this poor guy, you know? So I'm doing all this research and I'm looking up about his diet. Is there anything I can do? And 
Um, he already probably had arthritis at that point because of the bad hips. So I read about glycosamine and I started, I discovered your treats. I forget even what they're called. Maybe you remember they're heart-shaped. I'm sure you remember. I don't remember. They're um, soft and heart-shaped and they're made a lot of glycosamine in them. And he gets four a day. So do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's the chicken and sweet potato hip and joint functional treat. Say say that. Why couldn't I remember that name, (laughs) Shelly? Yeah. You've probably, you've probably seen that bag of treats so many times over the years, but then you just, yeah, don't don't worry about it. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I couldn't believe it. I was talking with somebody with your company about it. And I was telling her it's amazing. Like she actually followed up with me weeks afterwards. And I'm like, I really didn't expect to see a difference, but I haven't seen him go through that pain at all since he started these treats, you know? So he gets those treats daily and it's amazing. He's now nine and I still, it it hasn't happened again. So I don't know how much I can attribute to your treats, but I'm going to stick with them. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I love that as a testimonial. That's great. And, and glucosamine is part of my overall strategy too, to keep Bondi comfortable and Mm -hmm. functional too. You know, he's 14 now. He just turned 14 in September. Okay. Well, can you tell me a little bit about glycosamine and, you know, why does this help pets that have arthritis and joint pain? Yeah. So here's my understanding. So there are two components of the joint that are at play here. One is the cartilage, which is the cushioning. And the other is the fluid that lubricates the joint. So the cartilage kind of acts like a shock absorber in the joints Mm -hmm. and the fluid keeps it so it can move and glide. So what, so what is glucosamine? It's basically your body, your dog's body naturally produces its own glucosamine. And it's a a substance that helps form the cartilage of your dog's joints. But as our dog ages, I mean, as we age, even as humans, um, his body's producing less glucosamine. And that means that his cartilage can deteriorate. And that means less cushioning in that joint. Uh Yeah. So there's less cushioning, kind of more space, more laxity, more, more room for, you know, the bones to kind of move around and not necessarily know where they belong. Uh And so when that happens, the joints can stiffen up and lose that shock absorbing cartilage. Um, The fluid's also important because as the fluid deteriorates over time, then that makes your pet's joints a little bit creaky as he gets Mm -hmm. older. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So what it does is um, when you give when you give supplemental glucosinine, it's going to help to maintain the joints, natural lubricant, that fluid that I mentioned. So you've all, you've got the fluid and then you've also got the fact that it's going to help to produce and repair some of that cartilage that's been damaged. Okay. So giving supplemental glucosamine helps to maintain and improve it can you know the studies are showing that it can maintain and improve your dog's mobility and range of motion and that's that's what i'm trying to do with bondi because he does have some hind end weakness and you know he is aged and so my goal is just to make it so he can move and keep walking with me every day yes and that's so important too i know i'm always taking bixby on walks and I mean, like you were saying when we first started talking that it all comes down to preventative. You and I both have this mindset of let's prevent, let's not get to a point that we need to go to the, I mean, I'm so thankful for modern medicine, but I'd rather prevent needing modern medicine. Exactly. Yeah. Same here. Same with me. Okay. So other than Bixby's little heart treats, I know you have other things that have glycosamine as well. Yes. 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 So, so glucosamine is, is, you know, naturally occurring actually in some foods. And I like that because that means that, that our dogs get, you know, more bioavailable glucosamine because their body's recognizing it and they know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So some glucosamine rich food sources that I like to incorporate are, and this might be kind of gross to think about, but trachea, and that you can get that in the form of a dehydrated treat or a chew. Yes. So that's an excellent source. Now, it's do also- you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, oh, but do you, no Sal, worries. you just got my brain thinking, oh yeah. Um, 
<laughs> okay, we got a dehydrator this spring and I have been dehydrating everything, like everything in our garden. I've been loving it. People on Instagram, like that's all they see me doing. They probably feel like, cause I'm always dehydrating. But I recently realized I could dehydrate chicken feet and they are high in glycosamine for Bixby. And I think you actually offer, do you dehydrated chicken feet? Yes, that was actually the next thing on the list. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are on the path, Michelle. <laughs> okay, yes. So chicken feet, they you can you can get them raw, you can get them smoked or dehydrated. And the thing about chicken feet is you they come with the toenails and all. So you don't have to clip them off. <laughs> so, oh, really? no, see, I yeah. thought you did. I clipped them off when I made mine. You don't need to, really? unless you just want to. Oh yeah. That's so fun. I sit around going, I can't wait till I can clip some chicken feet. Tony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they do look really strange. Like if you're feeding it to a dog, you're mm -hmm. thinking no way are those toenails supposed to be on there. So that's, that's the only reason I brought it up because huh. I didn't, I would, I would have thought the same thing, but apparently the toenails have nourishment too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah so oh, good yeah. job on the, on the dehydrator and you can also dehydrate liver treats. You know, it's, there's no end to what you can do with your dehydrator. Yep. So Bixby yeah. and Calpurnia both love our liver jerky because we raise pasture-raised oh, pigs Oh yeah. and the butcher now, or the, yeah, he comes, we have a traveling butcher and he now knows the drill. He knows that he cannot get rid of the organs because he knows I'm going to be using them to make dog treats. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. That's great. Well, the other thing that, that might not have hit your radar is green lipped muscle powder. That's also oh. really good for hip and joints. Huh. And that's something that we're starting to see a lot more of. Now, if you have access to the actual green lipped muscles, then you can make a broth, you can do different things, but the powder is more readily available and it does smell fishy. Mm -hmm. And it's usually mixed with a little bit of turmeric for anti-inflammatory benefits. Oh, yeah. Green-lipped muscle powder is also part of my strategy for Bondi. Interesting. That is new to me. And you guys sell that as well? We do. Awesome. Okay. We well, do. yeah. let me know if I interrupt you with my next thought and you have more glycosamine things to tell us about, because I don't want to stop you from that. But the one thing, another thing I discovered when I discovered your awesome little heart treats with um, the glucosamine is that you have sea kelp for dogs. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think that has glycosamine as well. Now, I don't know about that. You could be absolutely right, but I, I can't, totally I can wrong, neither so. confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay. I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but I do know, okay. Something else. Some of my followers are probably well remembering because it was absolutely a nightmare. Bixby had the worst skunking episode, I think maybe known to dogs. <laughs> he, we were literally going on a three week road trip two days after this happened. And he not only met his first real life skunk, but he decided to be friendly with it and nip it literally on its butt as it was raising its tail to spray him. It was so awful, awful. <laughs> so he had this horrible bad breath and I had already gotten him the sea kelp and I'm trying to remember now why I'm actually drawing a blank. But I had this sea cup sitting there and I did a little quick research about foul, foul breath with the dog. Cause we're going to have to get in the car with him. And we had bathed him. We did all the skunk stuff you do, you know, to get rid of it. But his breath was just so bad. Um, and I found sea kelp as a solution. I was so excited. So I started feeding him two or three times a day, getting ready for our trip. And I couldn't believe it. It actually made a difference in his breath. And I think that's even something you guys do explain on your site, right? Is that one of the benefits, one of the many? Yeah, it is. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, first of all, I also enjoyed reading and hearing and learning from your experience with Bixby and the Skunk. That's <laughs> something I hope never, ever, ever happens oh, to I, my dog. And I'm sure so you bad. thought it would never happen to you. But, <laughs> yeah. um, and I do hope he got some satisfaction out of that last little nip. <laughs> so, I'm sure he must have. I mean, <laughs> I do. But yeah, so I, I just, 
I've never, I had no idea that, that sea kelp would work quite that well, but mm-hmm. um, so sea kelp gets some bonus points for helping in that situation, but yeah. you're right there. There definitely is a known benefit around sea kelp and sea vegetables helping with, um, I usually think of it as dental health, but it really could be oral health in, in general. And here's why. So, you know, we all know about tartar and oral health. And tartar is just really layers and layers of of biofilm that forms, you know, around the teeth and gums. Mm-hmm. So when the when the sea vegetables are eaten and then digestion begins, the um, the sea plants basically soften the tartar buildup on the teeth, and it's it's a chemical kind of a reaction. So the sea plants are smart through this biochemical process that's really just a little too sciencey for me to understand and explain. <laughs> me too. I really struggled with high school chemistry. So oh, you know. <laughs> me too. Oh, I avoided it. I, I somehow managed to even get through four years of college without any chemistry. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the sea plants have a, this natural protective mechanism for breaking down that biofilm. Hmm. And that the process of breaking down the biofilm is what helps to support a healthy bacterial balance in the mouth. And that's actually why it's effective in reducing and preventing dental plaque and tartar and the odors associated with them. Hmm. So that's kind of how it helps with bad breath. It's really just this chemical kind of reaction that happens around digestion. Interesting. So it could be that that's something that could not happen in such a short time when I saw benefits in just a couple of days, but maybe that combined with, it does have a smell, you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. a fishy smell that the dogs love the taste of. So yeah. maybe that kind of helped mask the horrible skunk smell. I don't know, but it worked. I mean, believe me for months, we still smelt skunk. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but months. Oh my helped. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, kelp is also um, valuable in removing heavy metals from the body. So, I mean, it mm-hmm. could have just, it could have just had this synergistic effect and that's, that's why you got point. such great results. That's a good point. And yeah, it's, it's something gonna... we still feed him daily because I mean, he, unlike Calpurnia, that's why we're working so hard with getting Calpurnia to love a toothbrush. Bixby hates a toothbrush. So, you know, I, I don't brush his teeth that often. And it, I'm so thankful that the kelp helps that his breath really isn't that bad for a nine-year-old dog that doesn't like getting his teeth brushed. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. And, and you probably have, um, if you have access to, and you, and you have a place to feed him raw meaty bones, like not the kind of edible meaty bones, like, like chicken backs or turkey necks or duck necks or something like that, but actual maybe marrow bones. Mm -hmm. That's another great way for him to mechanically clean his teeth. Um, because when he chews on the bones, that's pushing that plaque and tartar and stuff around so that it kind of dislodges it and moves it. Right. Now help me walk me through this, the whole idea of bones, because I know Mm -hmm. a lot of people are terrified because can't, couldn't he break a little piece of it off and it literally like get lodged in his intestines or cut internally. Like that's, I think something a lot of people worry about with bone. Yeah. So the, the main reason for concern would be if the bones were cooked, so the, the biggest point of differentiation is that the bones need to be raw. Okay. So Bondi, for instance, you know, he's a 65 pound black lab. He can eat an entire turkey neck or a duck neck that's raw. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, he breaks it into like three or four pieces and then swallows it whole. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes out the other end, it's not looking at all, you know, like Turkey, like somehow their bodies take all those bones and, and break it down into just dust. Hmm. So it's pretty amazing. But if the bones were cooked, that's when they pose the greatest risk of danger, because when they're cooked, like chicken bones, turkey bones, duck bones, when they're cooked is when they become dry and brittle and they're not as digestible at that point and they can splinter and break. Okay. 
Okay. So if you can get the bone out of the roast before you cook the roast, that's going to be safe. Yes. And some bones are going to be edible. The soft chicken bones, turkey bones, duck bones, but beef bones are going to be super hard and they're going to be more what we call recreational bones okay. where the, your dog is going to chew on them and maybe lick the marrow out or, or lick around and tear little pieces of meat off. But ultimately you're going to pick that bone up and toss it. Okay. And like you said earlier, it's going to help get the tartar off their teeth and help their breath too. Yes, it's a okay. great way to mechanically. So you've got the sea kelp working kind of chemically from the inside out, and then you have the bones working kind of from the outside in mechanically mm-hmm. to, to remove what's on the teeth and around the teeth. Okay. Okay. Um, so the last thing that I always need to keep in mind that I wanted to talk to you about with Bixby, like I said, is with his bad hip, it's so imperative that we can't overdo the treats. And, you know, it's, we, we think as doggy parents that that's the best way to show our pooch our love. You know, it's so hard because we want them to understand we love them. And I know for Bixby, he's very food motivated, you know. Um, so do you have any tips for us to help us really regulate that caloric intake and avoid overweight dogs and cats? We're all talking about dogs, but cats, you have lots of cat food too. Great stuff for cats. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much anything a dog eats, a cat Mm -hmm. will eat too. Now Mm -hmm. cats are not going to really be into fruits and vegetables as much, but, but they basically are eating the same diet as dogs Mm -hmm. with just meat, bone and organ. So But yeah, I get it because with Bondi being older, he does have some arthritic changes and I'm really making sure that his weight stays very stable right now because that's his best chance of, of remaining mobile is to keep him at a good weight. Mm-hmm. The other thing about pet obesity, and I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago, is just that the extra weight in and of itself causes a lot of inflammation in the body. And then of course that leads to diseases too. So it's not just that they're overweight and maybe it's affecting their mobility, but all that excess weight is creating unnecessary inflammation. Yeah. Which is going to help or hurt, I should say, are the arthritis and other Mm -hmm. pain that comes with age too. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, with Calpurnia, like she's she really, she can't eat too much right now. She's still young and she's, you know, she's going to use everything she eats, but, um, but as a black lab, she will want to eat everything. (laughs) (laughs) Even the socks. Yes, I know. Yes, Even the socks, (laughs) even the socks, but yeah. So I, one of the things that I do with Bondi is I reduce the amount of food at mealtime because I'm very generous with treats throughout the day. Bondi, you know, he works a lot for, for treats and that's really important because he, he is always looking for something to do. So if I can reserve some of his food as treats, then I'm less likely to overfeed him. So then I can provide treats for good behavior, treats as mental stimulation, like a chew or even some treats in a slow feeder bowl to keep his mind busy or a toy or a Kong. Mm -hmm. So if I reduce the food at mealtime, then I can use tiny pieces of high value treats later. And you already mentioned that the way that you're using the treats to brush Calpurnia's teeth. And that's perfect. So because you've probably noticed that your dog doesn't really care how big or small the treat is. They, it makes yeah, I know. It just yeah. makes us feel better to offer a bigger biscuit or a treat, but they're really impartial when it comes to size. They just want what you have. Yep. <laughs> so, and their noses are like a hundred thousand times more sensitive than ours. So they know you have it even before they see it. Yeah. Which can be very frustrating sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Very food yeah. motivated. So Basically, you know, what I do is, is I use something that's going to be very tasty and that will get your dog's attention. Like you mentioned, you know, things that you can freeze, that you can dry in the dehydrator, freeze dried morsels of food are great, or even leftover chicken breasts from dinner cut up in small pieces, Yeah, because that's a a way to get, you know, real food into the diet as well. Mm -hmm. So they get something delicious, even though it's just a teeny tiny little nugget and you get to reward them with something that's really nutritious. Yeah. And something, by the way, that's, you know, not, not their normal kibble, not their normal diet, but something that's maybe a little bit um, more high value 
So I, I do a lot of that tiny pieces of high value treats. The other thing, and we've talked about this too, like Bixby loves, you know, broccoli and Brussels sprouts. So fruits and veggies eating mm-hmm. the rainbow. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always giving Bondi whatever I eat. I almost always give him a little bit of something. I cut up an apple every day and he comes and sits and waits and then he gets to walk off with the core. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he really likes it. And then and then kind of the last thing is, you know, less is more. And what I mean by that is is just look for single ingredient treats or wholesome treats and chews that are have a really limited or minimal ingredient profile mm-hmm. versus things that have a long list of ingredients. So and that's yeah. true, I think, with everything you guys offer. You have very single, simple ingredient offers. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's definitely by design. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I can't tell you how excited I was when you said you wanted to come on because I knew this would fit so nicely with this whole idea. We're talking so much this season about why real food matters. And I didn't want to exclude Bixby and Calpurnia. And, you know, I'm so glad that you were willing to help us think through some of these things. So do you have, what is a last word of wisdom that you would leave us with about real food for our pets? Well, any any amount of fresh or frozen food that you can add to your pet's bowl is going to be good for them. I hear so many people say, well, I've never given my dog any table scraps or, or um, I've, Mm -hmm. I've been feeding them the exact same kibble for their entire life. Mm -hmm. And really anything that you can add in, you are doing you are doing right by your dog. So the health starts with nutrition. And my holistic vets always say 80% of an animal's health can be attributed to what they eat. So I just Mm -hmm. encourage everyone to just experiment, start small by adding a raw egg to their bowl or some cooked veggies or some nutritious bone broth um, or some leftover chicken and and definitely a dash of sea kelp if you have it on hand. It doesn't take much. You just need a sprinkle. (laughs) But yeah, the basics, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, It's definitely a labor of love to, to go towards the hundred percent raw end of things. Um, but it definitely takes more effort, but whatever you do, just don't worry about doing it perfectly and don't compare yourself to others because there are a a million different like opinions out there on, on food and, and especially raw food and, and what to give to our pets. But it's, it's really, it's really easy to incorporate something that you may already have in your refrigerator that's going to be healthy for them and give them some additional nutrition that they might not otherwise have access to. I love it. And I mean, that's pretty much the same answer I would give anybody asking me, how do you start with real food. If your family just always, you just always eat processed food out of a box, you know, where do you start? I would totally say start small in very little ways. And it's the same thing for our pets. Yeah, it really is. I love it. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for making the time to help us work through these ideas. You are so welcome. It's been my pleasure. And the only thing I would, um, would like is to see a picture of your puppy. Oh, I will send you one. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot, Shelly. All right. Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It gave me some food for thought, <laughs> pun intended, I guess. Um, and I think I'm going to be adding even more real food to Bixby and Calpurnia's diet. And I like the way that Shelly made it, it made me feel really confident in the fact that I can totally just do little bits at a time. It's okay. Um, So I hope you join me next episode because we're going to dive into, um, well, the whole rest of this season. And I'm excited because I actually have it all laid out and planned out for what we're going to be talking about. And I'm basing it all on what I talked about back, I think it was episode three, maybe, Um, uh, some different studies. I had been reading some scientific studies. One was from Tufts University that really um, honed in, I think it was 2019, on 
the impacts that food have on our health and very specifically on our rate of cancer in this nation. Um, I'll explain more next episode. Let me just tell you that when I looked at the numbers closely, it is almost a quarter of our cancer occurrences that can be traced back to something about our food. Um, Like I said, I think I'll just wait and I'll explain more about that in the next episode. But trust me, it's, it's fascinating, guys. And what I did was break down from this study what each of those different things are about our food and our diet that have a negative impact towards our proclivity towards developing cancer. And then I'm going to give you different episodes that'll make up the rest of the season relating to each one of these factors. So we're going to talk about grains and adding healthy, nutritious grains to our diet, how to do that very easily. I'm also going to talk about sourdough and how to incorporate sourdough into your family's daily food. And we're going to have an episode on, um, high processed meats, why they are leading to cancer and what our alternatives are. We're going to talk about fruits and vegetables, why it's important to have them, what is enough on a daily basis and simple ways to incorporate them. And we're going to talk about those super sweet beverages that everybody seems to be addicted to that we can cut out of our family's diet. And we can replace with amazing, better alternatives. I'm going to talk in depth about two amazing, wonderful alternatives to sugary drinks that literally are causing cancer in our country. Um, There's a few other things. I don't actually have the full list right here, but I think you're going to love it. So please stick with me. Join me next episode as we break down these very simple ways that we can make things so much better in our kitchen and around our tables. And overall, guys, we can just feel so much better. So I'm glad you're here. I sincerely hope you will take a second right here on your favorite podcast player to subscribe to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast so that when a new episode is out, you will be one of the very first to know. Don't forget to check out Raw Paws and use code RESTED15 or go to solelyrested.com slash coupons for that link and special as well as all the current specials I have found for you guys recently. Some relating to food, some not, but all of it relating to simple living, of course. And then there's also solelyrested.com slash dog to get links and special offers to all of the products that Bixby and Calpurnia love. So that's it for this time, guys. I hope that everything is fantastic in your neck of the woods.